I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection. We depend on you, our community of listeners, for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and you can either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link. We get a small percentage of all of your purchases. Or you can go and sign up for a free trial with Audible.com. Your support will allow Lama Suryadas to continue to illuminate the timeless Tibetan wisdom. I'm curious about that moment when you realize something arising like fear, so that that's the most important moment. We have the choice, like you said, to let it be. Or? Yeah, what's the other option? um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Suppress it, avoid it, or get into it, indulge in it, like, you know, get fearful and start thinking about fearsome things and be frightened, a chain of discursive thinking. Is that not, like, I guess that's the same as the initial beginning, like, it's the same as the fear. So can you, at any point, treat the rest of it the same? Yes, you would? that's the idea. One, one uh, medicine serves all diseases, if you look at it that way. It's kind of like a panacea. In this kind of meditation, of course, in life, you might very well, there might be a time to think about your fear, and work on it, deal with fear, or, you know, pay attention to fear. If I asked you just to jump into the next lane here, going parallel to where, where I was just going, can you, is fear negative? Is fear, you know, do you want to get rid of fear? I mean, what do you, 
think just well, unedited, just bl blurt out some answer. Is it fear negative? Is fear always no. negative? Do you want to get rid no. of fear? Fear can be good, right? So it will be an example of good. Yes, that's like right. Like a tiger, like I don't want to get too close to a tiger. Very good. So. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Right. I, I was thinking about Central Park, you know, like you're supposed to be afraid to walk in Central Park alone at midnight. That's like the intelligence of fear. Like you just said, survival instinct. You're supposed to be afraid of a tiger because it's dangerous. But then how you deal with that fear is up to you. Like if you, you know, you should run or you should put on the ring of invisibility or you should, you know... Um, if you're a tiger, a tiger tamer, maybe you have some other, you know, way of dealing with tigers, dealing with your fear. Don't think that lion tamers don't have fear, but they know how to deal with it, right? Otherwise, they couldn't be a lion tamer. So, good example. So, you could, in the, you know, in this meditation where we're emphasizing awareness alone, we're not therapeutically or intellectually working with fear or any other emotional arising allowing things to arise and dissolve and not glomming on to them and work, trying to work it out, nor suppressing it. But in life, then, you know, there are other things we have to do. So in the ultimate truth, there's nothing to do about it. And in the relative sense, in the world of karma and causation, then we should deal with fear intelligently. Like you should be afraid to drive over over the speed limit. I was going to say over 100, but I don't want to give you ideas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You should be afraid of skiing too wildly straight down the mountain. Because you might get killed or kill somebody else. So then you respond to that accordingly. So in this, we're emphasizing non-reactivity. In another time, you might need to have swift reaction time in the relative world. But I like what you started about. You can treat everything that way about on the moment of arising. You can just release it or allow it or let it go. That's what you said. Do you think it's... like? If, if, it seems for me that some things are easier to do that for than others. Absolutely. That's right. Would that just be because those other feelings have like more power to them or like I just ha give them more substance like why well that's you sort of answered your own question <laughs> yes it's because those other things have more power to them but if you look into what that really means it means because you you're karmically predisposed to give more power to them you know what I'm saying like things you might be afraid of somebody else might not be afraid of they might be afraid of other things you know like um I don't know, you mentioned tigers, you know, so, because if you're karma, you're conditioning, you're afraid of a tiger, you know, like humans are afraid of tigers, so you're afraid of a tiger. But there might be other, you know, people that are afraid of things, you, you know, I don't know, spiders or, or mice or some little, you know, things that don't scare you, I don't know, you know. So do I treat those emotions that kind of have like a stronger like kind of power to them the same as I would the, the weaker ones? In general, yes. To the extent that in the present moment, everything is equal. 
but the stronger ones might keep coming back because that's your karmic conditioning. So you might have to treat them more um, continuously or like uh, diligently, patiently, or, or you might even have to apply some other antidote, not just letting them be. You might have to, you know, like if you're sitting there and you're afraid that you're going to, um, I don't know, does anybody ever have this kind of, it's kind of an energy experience, but it's really in your body. You know, you're meditating and you feel like you're dropping. I'm not talking about this one. <laughs> Falling asleep. I mean, you, you know, you're literally meditating, you're awake enough, but so I don't know what happens with the prana. It's like a bubble in your prana energy or karma. You're kind of like, yes? Right. So some people might have a feeling uh, in that moment or some other moment that they're dropping and it's scary or you're going to die or you weigh a million pounds or you're disappearing, you know, so you might have some kind of feel like that and it doesn't just go release itself if you try to aware it. So, you know, if you aware it lightly, it might release itself, but it might not. You might have to apply some antidote. Which is not Dzogchen, Dzogchen, but it's good Dharma. Apply some antidote. Like stand up and do something else. Like take a few breaths and start again. Like chant or pray or do something devotional. You know, whatever your antidotes are to change your mood, your thinking. Thank you. But in general, you, a common thread, you're welcome, in your questions was very important to highlight, and it's good to thinking, and you, you should stay with treating things the same in this practice. That's why the masters say, and I kind of quoted one of them, whether Buddhas appear or demons appear, imaho, you know, just like carry on, just like on Halloween night, whether there's demons appearing at your door with their little shopping bags and their parents behind chaperoning, or there's Buddha, you know, I don't know what, saints or, you know, I don't know, celebrity movie stars appearing at your door in their, with their little shopping bags. It's like imaho, fantastic. You, you with me? Treating them all the same, right? Not giving to the beautiful celebrity movie stars and not and 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 slamming the door on the demons or tigers <laughs> questions well actually my 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 question re refers a little bit to what you were just discussing what's your name with dylan What you say makes total sense. Yes, when demons arise, just be with them as you would when Buddha and rainbows and joy the and bliss, bliss yeah. arises. Uh, that's a little easier said than done, yes. at least in my experience. That's why it keeps being said. It's okay. important. I agree. Remindfulness. I totally agree. Um, and there are words attached to that, like cultivate equanimity, spiritual detachment, one taste. Not that you don't discriminate between things in the relative world, but there's also room for the other side of discrimination and choosing and decision. There's room for oneness, one taste, equanimity, equal view, seeing the light in everything, even the shadows. And so Absolutely. On. It's a good balance. I love it. To our and, usual uh, pickiness. 
cannot I cannot argue with the logic of what you're saying. Okay. But um, the practice is to, of course, work on developing that um, equanimity. So I wanted to share with you and and ask you for your um, response of a little technique I've developed and what you think about it. When those demons are arising, as they do on a daily basis, at least for me, since I'm not quite enlightened yet, um, you know, be it a demon of fear, be it a demon of desire, be it a demon of anger, be it a demon... <sighs> there are so many of them. When they, when they arise, the question I ask myself is, can I handle this? Do I have to go into overwhelm right now? Yeah, that's a good and there are there are times I do. I, if I, I just, I'm going to be very brief here, and then I'd Thank like you. to hear your response. But there are times that I do, and you know, as Ram Dass said, you go into overwhelm and you tread water. You keep your head above water, and eventually you come out of it. But it's been such a beautiful question for me to pose to myself, time and time again throughout the day, as those demons arise. Um, and I often find the answer is, hey, I can handle this. I don't have to go into overwhelm. I can be present. I can be calm and So good. that's, and, an an that's what open. I was talking about as, as an antidote. You have to bring up one of your antidotes. Like that's good if, for you and your tendency to overwhelm or whatever. You know, other people have other tendencies. You remember we talk about karmic perceptions and conditioning, so... You know, not everybody's overwhelmed by things. People have different re reactions or responses to stimuli from outside or from inside themselves. So that's a good antidote. As long as it works for you, it kind of pops the bubble. Rather than making the bubble bigger, you know, the bubble gum bigger till it totally overwhelms your whole head. Okay, I thought, uh, thank you. Thank you very much, because uh, it does work for me. And, yeah. Um, I, I was mean, curious one what of the, your response was to that little technique I've developed. That's good. One of the ones that I use is, you know, and I've mentioned this, I've passed this on, it's the self-inquiry thing where you say, you know, who or what is angry? So instead of looking at, you know, why are you making me angry? Something by cuts you off in traffic, you know, what, you, you, you look at, you know, you, you, you feel yourself tense up and you want to ram them, but you look at, you know, who is angry? And it's like pops the bubble before it gets too big and you ram somebody. It takes a while, you know, many mind moments to perceive and judge and react and press on the gas and ram someone. There's a lot of room in there. If mindfulness can make even more space between stimulus and response. So whatever you do in there, that's the room, room for the antidote in that space mm. between stimulus and reaction. So you don't just blindly react, but you respond more intelligently, more, more principled, more, you know, intelligently, skillfully. Absolutely. And, and what, you're, what you're describing is is a very key part of my practice um, because when I when the answer to my to my question is I don't need to go into overwhelm then I'm able to do what you just described which is to respond good rather than react so um, thank you you're welcome my question is about Tonglen 
Um, and, and what's that in English for those that don't know Tibetan? The bodhisattva practice of giving and receiving, mm -hmm. taking on somebody else's suffering and trying to alleviate, purify it. Okay, Tonglen. And um, during Nima's practice today, she talked about it a bit, and it's something that I found myself practicing a lot. Um, and my, so I'll get to my question. My wife gets concerned because she thinks I'm taking on too much. And she asked me one day, what do you do with all of it? You know, how, how do you take it all in and then where does it go? And my answer was and is still, I, I imagine it, and I, my question for you is this the right thing or is there a right thing? But I imagine it coming into my heart with my pain and suffering and, and the impact sort of purifies both. And sometimes when I do that, though, it feels like um, kind of materialism. I don't, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, so I guess my question is, what do you do with Tonglen when you bring it in? And is my approach okay? Or is there something else I should be doing? Um, no, it's totally not okay. And this is my criticism of Tonglen, which is considered an advanced practice being taught in the West by everybody and everybody, non-Buddhists, people who haven't been trained in the Tibetan tradition or whatever, using it as a healing practice to take on the suffering of others and so on. The first principle of Tonglen and the 59 slogans involved in the mind training, Lojong, that goes along with the Tonglen, is rest in the unborn Dharmakaya. So to put it in English, it means rest in the illusory, empty, nature of things. So that's where everything gets in the magical giving and receiving, dreamlike giving and receiving, um, air-conditioned, where that's where it goes to answer your wife's question. That's where it goes. That's where it arises from, and that's where it goes. So once you're established in that, that's the first of the 59 slogans. Then it says something like, I can't remember what, enjoy the dreamlike illusion. You know, it's like now's your first magic lesson. You've understood that it's all magic or you've rested in the subjective and the empty. And now you start to, you know, first magic lesson is sort of like, I don't know, start breathing or, or energizing or start, you know, playing with and, and see what you can fabricate. So once you get to the point of riding the breath, I think that's the third, but I don't know. I haven't looked this in a long time. So the problem with it is the eye. You start riding the breath, breathing in and breathing out, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And no, it's not just the problem with the eye. The problem is with you have to, it's based on something. You start somewhere or you're based somewhere so that you're not really taking on all the sufferings of others. You revert, the point of Tonglen is to reverse or revert the tendency to cling to what I want and get rid of or not like what I don't want. The suffering of others or the pollution of the world that you hoover up mentally is just to reverse the tendency to cling and to push away. It's not to hoover up the environment. This is not an environmental practice. And it's not a healing practice unless you say it's a healing of dualism. It's a healing of self-clinging practice. It could be used as a healing practice. But it's not a healing practice. It's a healing of ego practice. It's a healing of dualism practice. You see what I'm saying? So, you said, she said, and she's not here, so we can't really, we're not really working on her 
or her question, but you said, so you said that she was worried that you were taking on too much. So like in life, some people take on too much. I mean, that's the way it seems, right? Or, and sometimes maybe they don't take on enough. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing to myself that your wife, you know, says you, uh, you do too much or something. You know, every relationship is different, but many people say you don't do enough. <laughs> you know, I do too much. <laughs> right? Yes? Anybody ever hear that? <laughs> and so a couples therapy uh, therapist told me once something like, almost every relationship or every couple that comes into this room anyway, both of them say we do too much, the other one doesn't do enough. <laughs> Again, see how subjective it is. But then there's codependence where you do do too much and you don't take care of yourself. I mean, it's, it's selfish but it's, you're not really in balance, some people. So I don't think it's really that you're taking on too much in the tone line. I think it's, it needs to be a little a deepened and evened out. And when she says you're taking on too much, she probably is thinking you're too busy or you work too hard or you worry about too many things. I don't know, right? Well, it was a very specific moment. Okay. I'm just generalizing. Yeah. But yes. You know, where you, you take on too many dying people who you sit with all, all night and all week, you know, whatever the details are, besides your full-time job and parenting and whatever else you do. But, but since you asked about Tonglen, it's very important to practice it somewhat, you know, properly and with the absolute emptiness aspect, and then the relative comes out of that. Just like in Kerim, in Vajrayana, visualizations, so-called deity yoga, although there's no deities in Buddhism, badly translated deity yoga, you didn't practice deity yoga. You visualize something and then you dissolve it back into the emptiness from which you began. In the beginning, there's vast emptiness and then there's like a shooting star or a syllable and then you visualize because you start in the emptiness, you end in the emptiness. It's like you're empty and then you start uh, painting. Like you need to have a studio to do your art. You can't just do it in your, I don't know, wallet, in your refrigerator, in your pocket. You need to have the space to do it, and the space has room to inhale the suffering of all beings. Because it's dissolved, in, you know, there's room in your studio, it's like a giant barn where you can have all kinds of crap, even to do your minuscule artworks. There's room for all kinds of crap in the vast emptiness that we begin with in a Tonglen practice or a visualization practice. So that's my thoughts on that. So, Lo, I like to say whatever anybody says is good, it's good practice, like I said to David, even though it may not be. To you, I took a different... <laughs> that was just him. <laughs> to you, I took a different tack to make a point about Tonglen visualization and really all of our fabricated practices. It's good to look into who's doing what around here. Like the Dzogchen master, the fearless master, Jigme Lingpa, sang, dogs chase every bone that's thrown, lions jump on the thrower. It's like turn back and look at who's projecting around here, not just the silver screen and the movie projections, but trace back the source of all this radiance, all these projections, karmic perceptions. You with me? Jump on the thrower. The projector. And then you capture the whole sense of the whole thing. Projector, you know, projection and 
screen images. It's a whole system, you know, mind, its objects, and interaction. The wheels of karma. That's why we say tongue lens in advanced practice, because it's scary, actually. You know, inhaling all the darkness and, and giving out all the light's a scary practice when you start inhaling the darkness in detail, all the pollution and all the cancer cells and all of the, you know, that stuff. You have to be in the ground of emptiness. Otherwise, you can get sick or stuck with it or something, get unstabilized. Thank you for listening to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now Hour. We very much appreciate your support and hope you will continue by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and link to the donate button or go to the amazon.com link for all of your purchases. Namaste. Teresiwana.